We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Lance Rex After Dark, your favorite podcast about the old Miss Rebels back after a week off, a little short sabbatical. Didn't feel like we had a ton of talk about last week, but we're back. We're energized, ready to hit the ground running this week. I'm your host, Justin Sanders. On the line with me, we have, uh, as always, my co-host, John Stefanchik. What's up, John? How you doing, buddy? Which one of us is sitting in a more crooked state right now? Hmm. It's a fair question. I'm I mean, a- Mississippi is always a contender for that. Yeah, for the listeners, I am on the road in southern Illinois right now. A very corrupt, a very corrupt state. About three and a half hours from Chicago, but still in the same state as Chicago. So, legendarily corrupt. You know, Illinois and Mississippi have like a lot, a lot of common ground, right? There's a ton of, there's a ton of familial connections between the two from the Great Migration, and also, you know, Chicago is just straight up I-55 from here, so you get a lot of uh, back and forth. I feel like people don't necessarily associate those two states, but there's actually a lot of a lot of connection there. I mean, Oprah Winfrey, famous Chicago resident, right from Mississippi. There's there's an example for you. Yep. So something to think about. Some something to mull over uh, while you're up there in Illinois. How's the how's the Illinois weather? That's what I want to hear about. Uh, 38 today. It's balmy 38. No snow on the ground though. It's supposed to be getting a foot tonight in Ooh. New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah. You're you're dodging a. Is it a nor'easter? Is that what does this qualify? Oh yeah, it's a big nor'easter. Big nor'easter. Well, I'm glad you got out of that. Yeah, there's a little cold streak, a little cold snap, I should say, uh, going on down here right now. But hopefully, get back to the summer temps soon. Well, how how cold is cold for you? Oh, it's like it was like in the 50s this morning. It's not it's not cold, but I'm saying it's been like summer weather. So for it to revert back to where you have to put a jacket on, it's definitely noticeable. But I'll be okay. It's not it's not the end of the world by any stretch. Brutal. Yeah, I Brutal. know, right? I know it's tough. It's really tough. Um, we're making it down here. We got to wrap the pipes and make sure we got change for the tires, all that kind of stuff. But we'll be okay. Um, so, like I said, wasn't a ton to talk about last week. Um, baseball team plodding along. I think they're like something like eleven and one right now. Maybe ten and one, something like that. Had a pretty good weekend out at Long Beach uh, just just now the we wouldn't have been able to talk about it last week but another reason we, we took the weekend or the week off I should say the baseball team hadn't really played anybody great you know we still don't know if Long Beach is gonna turn out to be great but they uh, they won two out of three kind of a rough couple first games and a double header honestly could have could have swept the series if not for some strange goings on in game one but we'll talk about baseball later in the show uh, I think the first thing we want to talk about is um, the second coaching search in the last what four months Ross Bjork back on the back on the trail I mean he did such a good job with that national search to find Matt Luke I feel like he just it was time for another one we just had to do it again um I think since we last spoke John a a high profile candidate emerged and then was promptly uh extinguished from possibility today talking about Thad Mata former Ohio State head coach, um, sort of an Urban Meyer-esque situation, right? Had to had to quit coaching for a little bit there for some health issues. Um, I don't know. I don't know how real Urban Meyer's health issues were. I have no idea. I think Mata has back issues, stuff like that. But apparently he's getting back into coaching. He's healthy enough. He came to Ole Miss, met with officials, uh, and is now going to go coach at Pitt or something. Definitely not going to be the next coach at Ole Miss. Um, would have been a good hire just based on resume. I don't know a ton about him personally, um, but of course he's not going to come to Ole Miss if he's a desirable candidate. Uh, and anyone else's coaching search, I think, is a lesson we've learned from uh, 
what the past four months of Ross Bjork like coaching searches. So where does that leave us, Sean? What are you, what are you thinking about this? Where, where is this headed? I feel like Willie Tiger and Thad Mata ought to be buying us dinner because of all the money, extra money they've leveraged mm-hmm. off, of, off of Ole Miss. So every yeah. Ole Miss fan get a free dinner from one of them. So <laughs> yeah, I think Ole Ross is, uh, well, we, we've got his interview with Anthony Morales mm-hmm. in front of us. Clarion Ledger, the nice. Barry and Liar. Good job by Morales. Um, Stacking that sweet Bjork interview. I mean, there's just a whole lot of nothing in here, really. That sounds like Bjork. Active, active, engaged, talking to people on the phone. <laughs> I mean, we're modern. If it's like, well, no shit. Tell so me I think, real. right, so just to start at the very beginning, the headline here, Old Mrs. Rock, Ross Bjork. We have been engaged with representatives, coaches directly. So I think what he's what he's trying to do here is kind of get, hit back at this narrative that they didn't even try to hire anyone other than Matt Luke, which who knows whether they really did or not. You know, a lot of people say that Bjork wanted to hire Dave Doran from North Carolina State. I mean, whoop de doo. Like I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> I don't really give Bjork a lot of credit for that one because I don't think that would have been a good hire either. Um, but I, I think he's trying to say, no, 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 we're we're definitely talking to people. That's just so not reassuring. He's not saying we're going to get a big-time candidate. He's saying, well, you know, we left a message for him. It's adorable. I'm looking up here, Ventura Partners, because the last search firm they hired was uh, – Turnkey, right? Turnkey, and they said keep Orgeron to LSU. So I'm trying to figure out who Ventura Partners has uh, – who they who they who they've advised, yeah, yeah. Who what have they? What's their history? It's a good question that that would inform us here. Um, I'm scrolling through Bjork's interview here. Uh, he hasn't talked to Andy Kennedy in person since he fired him. Shocker. <laughs> he said it was sort of sad for for Andy Kennedy. Oh, you don't say, huh? Interesting. I really dislike this guy, Ross Bjork. He's just such an empty suit. He's so bleh. Lip service. Absolutely. I mean, oh my god. If he if he posted more workout vids or any workout vids on Twitter, he would pretty much be like the AD equivalent of Canizara. It's kind of the vibe I get from him. <laughs> um. He's kind of he's kind of echoing this thing about how unhappy the team was as soon as Andy Kennedy was stepping down. Okay, energy, being positive, excitement for the guys. Here's a new opportunity. Here's a new voice. Yeah, Tony Madlock. He wouldn't be excited to play for him. Um, so Ross is happy for the players. Sort of sad for Andy Kennedy. It's really really helpful stuff. Um, and Morales credit for Morales. Some of these questions. Is it weird? There's no proper send off. Absolutely agree. Uh, the way they treated Andy Kennedy at the end of his tenure was pretty rough. Um, so Bjork's like, yeah, that was our idea. We were going to give him a proper send-off. Uh, but basically, we didn't. Like, he didn't – he doesn't really give any sort of uh, explanation. Even if even if Kennedy stepped down as the coach, I don't understand why you couldn't honor him on senior night and let him come back for that, right? I mean, that's – I don't know. A lot of things about this are are just kind of seem ham-fisted in the way they've been handled. Um, it's a weird situation. And then just to, to jump around for a second, I mean, Kermit Davis appears to be the leading candidate. I think so, yeah. I think he's most likely at this point. Pretty damn similar to Andy Kennedy at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I, what are you? What are we basing the the difference off of? The fact that Davis has been to more tournaments because that has to do with your conference, you know? Like that's just Kermit Davis might become a good rebel. Andy Kennedy was never a good rebel, so that's true. But didn't Kermit Davis go to Mississippi State? How is that? How does that did he sync up with being a good rebel? Now, hey, how can he exactly? He can't be no good rebel if he went to state. He's know, a traitor. Right? I'm confirming. Yep, Mississippi State University. So, so why what, is he? I don't know. Why is he even in the conversation? Because we're all about the Egg Bowl now. You know, we got our priorities straight. I can't imagine us hiring a a, a bull fraud, but 
Who knows? Um, so that we're skipping on. We're done talking about Kennedy. Morales says, it's been two weeks since he announced he stepped down. Where does the coaching search stand? And Bjork, again, just just buzz, just buzz, not even buzzwords. These are just boring filler words. Active, active, engaged, talking to a lot of people on the phone, like you said, John. Then, meet, <laughs> then meeting with people. So basically, Ross is explaining to us, uh, the casual fan, the complex art of first talking to someone on the phone and then, if it goes well, meeting with them. I mean, I don't know how he learned this stuff. He must have some sort of an advanced degree. You know what he's doing? What? You know, he's starting to sound more and more like Vitter. I mean, that sounds like shit mm-hmm. Vitter would say. been hanging out too long. Mm-hmm. You know, I just have this vision in my head. You know, Vitter had the shorts on for that, uh, I put my hands in the air, wave, or whatever, that stupid, uh, was it tailgating video or whatever mm-hmm. he came up, that came out? You know what I'm talking about? I think so. I'm not sure. It looks like we scored in baseball. It's turning around here. Fitzsimmons making something happen out there. Um, and then Kessinger, I think, after that. So that's cool. Um, so, yeah, he's like he, he says that the, the landscape of college basketball is changing almost daily. So I guess that's a good excuse for every candidate you talk to each day being like, nah, and having to move on to a next. They'd be like, well, no. It's not us that's messing up. This the the landscape is changing daily. Like, well, you can't blame me. I'm just I'm just here. Is what Ross is saying. He needs at least give us some humor, Ross. Sit there and say, yeah, we're going to conduct extreme vetting on all the coaches. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, at least ugh, it's so annoying. So I would describe it as active, very engaged, and we're evaluating who the right candidates are. Ooh, That's fantastic. So much confidence in that one, Ross. I'm glad he's earning his check. My yeah. God. Uh, next question. Promotion, I swear. His title. How these people? Have, have we had a show since all these crooks got promoted? I think so, but it's all it's it's they do it at the least important moments that'll just slide under the radar. Yeah, they all got raises and promotions, of course. We wouldn't want to lose anybody from our team. The old Miss Athletic Department's doing so well recently. Um, so Morales says, have you talked to candidates? And Bjork says, we have been engaged with representatives. Uh, we have also been engaged with coaches directly. Um, so he doesn't want to confirm specific meetings. I'll, he says, I'll just say we're using all resources, agents, search firms, myself. And then Keith Carter has helped me with the search. There's a lot of activity happening right now. Good Lord. Uh, the more we read this, the more I'm just like, oh, this is, I just see Ross like spending amateur hour. Half his day, like helping Vitter pick out like what tie Vitter wants to wear to his uh, next PowerPoint presentation. I which, just think which that's pair of transitions are coming out today. Uh, exactly. These when when these are sunny, these turn green. Oh, nice, Chancellor. That's awesome. You got to wear those. Yeah. Um, I, I see. I see. Uh, Bjork is being like Vitter's stylist on Stitch Fix or something. Uh, that's. This is my new vision for Ross. This oh, remember my- that, that hideous red jacket that Bjork used to wear? I could see Vitter wearing that as well. Yep. I could definitely see both wearing that. Um, God, Bjork is – and to, to be saying so little, he's using so many words. Uh, he, he really he, – he takes like a two-word answer and turns it into 20 words. Yeah, so yeah, – oh, Imagine this meeting between Bjork and Vitter. Them talking about what the new land shark's gonna look like, the new land shark logo. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can just see them sitting there reviewing different logo uh, proposals from whatever uh, third-party marketing firm they went out. They and paid, paid like for- yeah, half a million dollars for like the wireframes or whatever. Oh, quick uh, tweet at us, listeners, and just the. Uh, what different meetings that you can imagine Bjork and Vitter having? No, that's a good one. The land shark logo is good. I can also imagine them like having a meeting to get rid of the bear and introduce the land shark and feeling like they had like gotten a lot done. Like, Oh, we're getting so much done. We're just, we're flying imagine through this stuff. By step, imagine their series of slides on the step-by-step launching process of the land shark and integrating it into God, the, the fans. Fat- the fans are going to love this. It's you're the fan. This is great. We got to do this. Launch the uh, kids edition on, May 1st, and then we want to have the Mother's Day edition to help integrate that to the Ole Miss community, blah, blah, blah. You know yeah, yeah, mean? yeah. Because mascots definitely sell season tickets and not, um, you know, momentum and, and uh, you know, good hires and good teams on the field. I'm kind of as, as good of a rev as Vitter's trying to become. I'm surprised he didn't bring back the Colonel. I mean, 
Uh, you're thinking of his brother, I think. You're thinking of uh, the other Vitter, David Vitter. I mean, but seriously, though, he's playing the good rib game. No, you're right. No, no, no. I mean, I, I, really, honestly, John, is the land shark really that different from the Rev? Like, to me, the land shark is like a coded. All of the Colonel Rev fans have kind of agreed okay, we can't get the Colonel back. Let's all just agree we like the land shark more because the bear represents progress away from the Colonel. Like they're just like let's just let's just claw it back a little bit and we'll we'll slowly get back there. Yeah, let's remember Tony if I remember them back to back cotton bowls. Exactly. Um God, this is so boring, dude. Reading Bjork's freaking paragraphs of text is so boring. He's talking about how you want to get a program identity, you want to unify the program. I mean what could what could better unify a program than hiring the older version of your coach? from a school that you play every year that's like how, how far away is, is middle Tennessee like three hours or less really close to here um and buddies with Kennedy I mean buddies with Kennedy and it has a reputation for being more of a dick and less fun to play for uh and plays at a at a smaller school in a worse conference that is gonna unify your program so freaking hard right there that that identity that just screams you know fresh start new identity that's that's really smart Ross brilliant I tell you though, let's um. God, right. he talks about. Uh, he says, "So, what is that identity? Is that a style of play? Is that a disciplined approach?" Hey, have you read, did you read this before? This no, no, I haven't. I haven't read it. Does it start oh, with read, defense? So, so the listeners, I read this like a week ago. I was like, Sanders, we got to just go through this and bitch about it. So I appreciate Does it you start doing with this. defense. God, Bjork. Why don't? Hey, here's an idea, Ross. Why don't you? hire a good coach and then let them do that. That's their job. How about you don't try to figure out, Oh, what should our team identity be? Like, that's not your job at all. Your job is to hire the best coach you can. Oh, I hate him so much. He's such a meddler. (laughs) So stupid. Um, talks about roster pieces, whatever. Um, we have to have integrity. That's most important. Yeah, it's pretty important. Ross has got some great integrity track record. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's only gotten, what, three schools investigated? That's pretty good. Well, I mean, women's basketball program was a total debacle. Track and field. Yes, track and field. Uh, football you can't had a couple problems. Worse. The football situation will – I mean, there's there's going to be textbook examples of how not to handle NCAA cases. Mm-hmm. have pictures of him in there. So this question seems to be asking about Steve Forbes at East Tennessee. Asked about NCAA issues they disqualify. Bjork says we got to look into their background. Blah blah blah. I mean, I think I think Forbes would definitely be a better hire than Kermit Davis, but I also think they're telegraphing they're not going to hire Forbes for whatever reason. I don't know why. Um, let, let, let's okay. Let's take a short break from just slamming Ross. In all seriousness, who do let's say, let's say Ole Miss makes us co-ads tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Who do we go after? Hypothetical. Who do you go after? Because the Ross, this team's gonna suck next mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Fan engagement is already low. It's not gonna get better. Okay. I mean, the Pavilion's a nice building. You can buy Steak and Shake. You can buy Raising Cane's. You can drink soda in there. But honestly, you can go do that cheaper outside of the Pavilion. So, what you really, I mean, you've got to, I, th- I think the short term, go get the fan excited higher didn't make any sense because the team's going to suck. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a second for anyway. I mean, ideally, I guess if you can go find kind of a, Kind of a young guy that's a program that has the potential to be a program builder. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know Wesson wanted Musselman. Sure, fine. I mean, I think I think you got to talk to Penny Hardaway, but it sounds like he's going to Memphis this year, no matter what. Ole Miss did talk to him. I think he's not going to come. Um, I mean, yeah, you kick the tires on Mike White, but whatever. I really like Dan Marjale, whatever the former guard. That that's the coach at Grand Canyon. I mean, you have to think you could you could hire a coach away from Grand Canyon, but I don't know. I think he could be good. What do you say? Grand Canyon probably has more uh, recruiting support than Pro- we do. Probably, yeah. I I like the I like former players. Um, there was somebody else that I was just thinking of that's on my mind. I mean, I I think Forbes would would be someone you talk to. I think Davis is 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 too old and too similar to Kennedy. 
Um, I just think you need some a fresh direction. Um, I don't know. You know what I would do, John? Do you want to know what I would do? What would you do? First, I would I would probably get on my phone. I'd make some phone calls. I'd talk to uh, representatives. I'd talk to agents. After that, you know, I might consider meeting with them in person. We might we might engage. We might communicate. We might negotiate. How active would you be? I would be very active. I, I honestly, the only thing I would be more than I was active is engaged. I'd be very engaged. Um, I would interface. You know, like I said, first over the telephone, second face to face. We would build these connections, um, and you know, we we would just we would bring great energy. That's that would be my first order of business. I think that's what's most important is uh, just staying engaged. You know what I mean? Thank God. What are you? Who would you? Who would you go after, John? What's your What's your target? If you're, uh, we're, we're, we're associate ads. I'm giving you the green light. I want you to I run this one. What we need, we need like the Sean McVay of college basketball, which we know, which I know is like, oh, we, okay. I would go get somebody really young mm-hmm. that maybe you're, you know, you, you're the say, you know what? I'm probably hiring them two years too early. But let's go take a shot at it. I like that. Because, I mean, Ole Miss's program is not going to get someone that's in their prime. Ten years too early could be the perfect time to get them if you're football Ole Miss. Football needed – well, football went GOB, but football really needed more of a matured presence given all the noise around the program. Mm-hmm. Basketball, there's really no other – okay, you've got some roster stuff, but there's no drama beyond that. You can throw a young guy there and let him cut his teeth. Absolutely. He's not – He's not going to have the microscope on him every day of the year because, quite honestly, nobody's going to have any huge expectations. I mean, this would be this would be hilarious because it's Ole Miss, but it, you know, Bryce Drew at Vanderbilt. If you could get a hire like that, a young guy that's going to come in and, and build recruiting classes, uh, that would be a home run, in my opinion. Obviously, if Ole Miss hired Bryce Drew, that would be hilarious given their history. Um, and obviously, he's just getting started with that rebuild at Vanderbilt. But if you can find someone like that, it would be huge. I, I do not think Bjork is going to. Like, I really think it's Kermit Davis. He's probably already agreed to it. They're just waiting for his team to get eliminated from the NCAA tournament. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm getting, like. How is he going to hire a bulldog? I really want to know this. I know. Well, it's it's going to reveal the truth, which is Bjork isn't actually inept. He's just a double secret agent, uh, double not spy. He's he's working to bring us down from the inside. He's uh he turns out Ross Bjork is Rose Bowl's source inside the Manning Center. Revealed. Ah, Revealed. You know I think we just connected the dots there. Yep. Yep. I think we did. I think we did. It would be funny if, if uh like Michael Thompson and Kyle Campbell staged like a coup and ousted Bjork because they found out he was a, a secret agent for Rose Bowl and the Huddle House Mafia Bulldogs. Uh, there's like, no, we care about this school. Oh my God. We have to entertain. We have to entertain ourselves folks because the teams aren't going to do it unless maybe baseball and maybe softball. But what the hell, John, did we lose to, uh, to Boston college last night? What is going on? Ole Miss softball is, uh, is not great. We need to make Ole Miss softball great again. How many games have they lost? Pull up that schedule. I don't know. I'm pulling it up right now. We need to have Wes on next week to actually tell us what's going on. I know on we do. Here. We yeah, we lost in Oxford to Boston College eight to two. That's not good. No good. That's no good That's at great. all. Um, it looks like we have th- three losses. I think. I believe. Um. Yeah, we actually do want to talk about softball, Wes. So if you're listening to this, give us a text. We'll have you on next week. And, uh, you know, hear what's going on and why why we would do something so terrible as losing to Boston College. That's just it's embarrassing. Come on. Um, Kermit Davis, head coach of the Ole Miss Rebels. Pretty exciting. Speaking of basketball, I think they play tonight in St. Louis. John, here's a question for you. Actually, I think I just figured it out myself, though. That arena in St. Louis, that's a hockey arena, right? That's where the Blues play, I'm guessing? Yeah, Scott Center, home of the Blues. That's what I figured because there's no basketball team in St. Louis. At least not oh, NBA team. Maybe Scott Trey, they, uh, they, they do uh, periodic basketball in Serbia. It's the Blues Arena. Cool. Well, that's fun, I guess. I mean, it's nice for people that have always 
had to go to Nashville for the tournament to get to go to a different city, I guess. Whatever. I don't really have any opinion on St. Louis hosting the tournament. I guess it's cool. Downtown. Do you know who we play tonight? Because I actually do not. I could Google it. Uh, um, South Carolina? Shit. I think it's, yeah, I think it's right. South Carolina. So, going to get stomped for sure. Um, doesn't really matter. It's baseball season. Uh, this this coaching search is definitely the only real story in Ole Miss basketball right now. Um, you know, thanks to the players, I guess. I, I don't even – maybe it's just because I'm – removed from it geographically but mm-hmm. it doesn't even seem like anybody really cares I, I i don't think they do i think the only but people that cause, cause probably care realizes that mike white's a pipe dream yeah mike white's not happening i think everybody knows that i think the only people that really care uh are people that gave sizable amounts of money to build the pavilion <laughs> like i don't know I don't know who else really gives a shit at this point. I really don't even know if those people care. They just want to say, oh, we built a pavilion. We got nice seats. Well, and they probably wanted their priority points for football, right? Yep. That's how you sell does Hunter, Who does Hunter Nicholson want to be the coach? I don't know. It's a good question. That's really, that's really what I want to know. I haven't, I haven't talked to that guy in forever. Oh, you mean Hunter Carpenter? Carpenter. Yeah, that's a good question, yeah, too. Yeah. Hunter yeah, Nicholson right. was in my major, I think. Shout Shouts out if you ever hear this, Hunter. I uh, hope you're doing well, man. Um, yeah, Hunter Carpenter. Who does he want? That's a great. That's a great question. Because he ba- his basically his argument was we pay AK too much. Right. So, so, so I think he wants us to hire a shitty coach for cheap. Exactly. Is that, he wants us to be budget. I mean, if you use be- if you use his criteria, that's pretty much what it points to. We're not a great program. Therefore, we shouldn't hire a big time coach. Therefore, we shouldn't be spending a lot of money on a coach. That's pretty much his conclusion. If you follow it out to its logical well, oh, end. we have a new arena. We invest. <laughs> right. Exactly. We we built it, so now they have to come, right? Something like that. Yeah, that, that makes such a difference. <laughs> yeah, recruiting, to, recruiting is really taken off. off. Well, yeah, there's something we about having um an arena that's like, you know, three-fourths full on a really good night. I, I don't know why a kid would want to come play in a storied program like that. <laughs> I mean, that just sounds super appealing. Um, I actually saw people on message boards saying the problem was that we built too small of an arena and kids don't want to play in an arena that small. Dude, if you think that's Ole Miss's problem, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I have bad news, I guess. Cause <laughs> I, I got 100,000 reasons why yes. kids don't come. Up. Yes, and, it, and it, it doesn't have to do with the arena being too small. If anything, it's too big and those empty seats look pretty bad on TV. Um, and, and that's the thing that annoys me about the arena is that by design, there are almost always going to be empty seats in the camera field because the cameras face the, like, whatever it is, the, the, the club section, not the students. Right. Right. And there's all re- there are all kinds of reasons for that. Um, I think the most important one being that they want the benches to be on screen. Right. And it's against sec rules have the student section behind the benches in normal circumstances. But, like, you got to figure that out. It looks like trash on TV. I mean, maybe you – I don't know how you solve it, but I think the way it works is the people that belong to that, whatever it's called, the point guard club or whatever, uh, can sit in those seats. I'm not sure if they're assigned or not, but they can also watch, like, up above with, like, food and drink and other areas you can't see on the camera. So the result is even in a game that's, like, I guess ostensibly sold out, you're going to see empty seats on camera because of that section. That just seems like something you got to think about when you're designing a hundred million dollar arena, Ross. Uh, I just I don't like the way it looks. Maybe it doesn't affect recruiting. Maybe I'm I'm insane. Obviously, something's affecting recruiting. It's it's not great. I'm just I'm pretty frustrated talking about. Justin, all I of think this. you're overthinking what is impacting recruiting. Yeah, I think, I think very- being Ole Miss is what's impacting recruiting the most. There's no history. Uh, There's no presence. No. Okay, tell me. We're not active and engaged enough. We don't have a network to go play pay, to go Yes, play. no. I mean, that's players. It's obviously important if you're trying to we sign could, anyone. We can't man, you know, football, can actually play. Football recruiting and benefits is lightweight compared to basketball at the top level. At the time, and yeah, we, on the individual basis maybe, yeah. And we're nowhere near smart enough. But see, I think the, there's a big difference though. Football. The big difference is that 
in a D1 program, especially Power 5, especially SEC, I, I would say of your starting 22 in football, you probably have provided benefits to just about every one of those 22. Whereas in basketball, if we truly were good, we would have like one or two five-star players that we bought and then a bunch of you know the players that we have right now that don't get anything to kind of fill it out. Um, so you're right that those top-end players are getting paid more, but it seems like it would actually be harder to cheat in football because of the, all of the transactions that are having to go down. But apparently we can handle that. I mean, I, I think it goes back to that land shark crowd, if we'll call them that. I mean, I think there's something inherent about the sport of basketball, if you pick up what I'm putting down, that those people maybe uh, aren't as interested in as they are football or baseball. Um, maybe the uh, identity of the pro game, you know, the people that it's most popular with. I think that basketball is a low priority for uh, the booster crowd at Ole Miss for many reasons, but I, I think racism is, is very potentially one of them. Um, so, yeah, I agree. doesn't matter who we hire. Ole Miss is, is, uh, is getting lapped in the SEC with the, the hires that they've made in basketball recently. I mean, Georgia's about to hire Tom Crean. Ben Howland has it working at State. Uh, obviously, we think Mike, Mike White can do pretty well at Florida. Um, there's a there's a lot of and then I mean look at I mean the state of Alabama, Jernard Avery. I mean uh, what's his face? The you know you know who I'm talking about the player that uh, hey. the, yeah Avery and then um, Pearl, two very good coaches. Um, Frank Martin, okay, you know he's better than AK still, but you got Frank Martin made a Final Four. Exactly, he was in the Final Four last year. He's he's very safe. Uh, Quanzo Martin at Missouri is a big step up from Kim Anderson. Yeah, Quanzo's a good coach. Uh, did did A and M they fired Billy Kennedy, didn't they? Did they? I don't know. Maybe they did. Well, no, Maybe they, it's no, still him. No, they haven't gotten eliminated. No, they're in the tournament, aren't they? I think you're right. Yeah, it is still Billy Kennedy. So I mean. <laughs> Like the tournament, aren't they? I mean, how do you fire the guy who made the tournament? No, you're right. I wasn't thinking this year. I was thinking, oh, man, if you search Billy Kennedy, one of the people also search for is Andy Kennedy's mugshot. I just think, That's... man, that is that is indelibly linked to him. Anytime you search him, it's still the first picture for him. Um, oh, man, this Saturday Down South headline is like such a douche dick move. Andy Kennedy will make it to the 2018 SEC tournament after all because he's doing TV analysis. Which is great. I hope Andy never coaches again and just gets a great TV gig. I would enjoy watching him on there. I think a lot of Ole Miss fans would. Um, Or go coach and and beat Ole Miss whatever team you go to. That would be fine as well. Um, Texas A&M going to be a seven seed for Joe That's pretty good. So I guess Billy Kennedy is a good coach. Uh, Trying to think of other coaches on the league. My point is that we're going to look at it. Mike Anderson is a much better coach whoever Ole Miss is going to hire. Um, LSU's got a young guy that had a decent season this season, building on it. I already talked about uh, Bryce Drew, um, Rick Barnes at Tennessee, one coach of the year, I think. He's turning it around there. Um, yeah, so and, and then obviously Coach Cal is Coach Cal. And I don't know. I don't think if you're Ole Miss, you can bank on the FBI solving all your problems, which I think was some people are hoping for, you know, Oh, the sec is good, but the FBI is going to cripple all good programs soon. We'll see about all that. I just, I think Ole Miss is about to be in the basement in basketball for at least another five years. We'll see. And that's with the brand new, that's as your brand new arena ages. Five years of the basement. Solidly in the basement. That's a huge divergence from what they've been the past decade. A huge divergence. <laughs> yeah, well, they've been they've been like middle of the SEC. The thing is, the SEC was so bad. The middle was like basically three steps from the bottom. Do we into the think basement. the SEC is going to sustain this improvement? I think so because of the resources. The the money is there. The TV is there. The coaches are now in place at a lot of these schools. Assuming the fans stay interested, and I think fans like winning in all sports. If if they I don't know. I guess it depends. I mean, Alabama fans, they just want to win, what, 15 times a year? That's all they care about. But generally, I think most fans that aren't Alabama fans are happy to have decent to good programs in every sport. They have the resources. It's not for sure, but I think, yeah, the SEC is going to be good again next year probably. Yeah, I would tend to. I tend to agree overall. I think well, the league office without without looking into like actual rosters. Up all I think. The teams' schedule. I mean, 
I would say, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's trending. It's trending. Almost every program in the SEC is trending up except for uh, Ole Misses, I would say. Yep. And this brings you to something I was asking about in the group text earlier, John. Uh, in addition to having probably the worst basketball coach, uh, is Ole Miss about to have the worst big three coaching triumvirate in the SEC? I I think so. I mean, one message board post that was – greatly commented on the day that it's hard to argue with is that Matt Luke, Kermit Davis, they sound like they would make great coaches at Southern Miss, right? That's pretty much the caliber of hires those are. And that might be a little rough on Kermit, but Matt Luke at this stage in his career, very solidly Southern Miss level resume. Yep. Or worse, yeah. South Alabama maybe, honestly. I mean, that that was our competition for him. According to a lot of people. I completely agree. So, again, moving in the wrong directions. You know, I think we've said on the show we want Luke to do well. Not necessarily writing him off yet, but at this point in his career, pretty weak. I mean, other schools, they could contend with Ole Miss for the, the bottom three. Probably State, but like I said, Howland's doing well, and Moorhead and, and Luke are about even in my eyes right now until they get a season uh, I would disagree. I'd say Moorhead's ahead of Luke. Do you see? There's your opinion. Watch. There's your opinion. The difference is that Luke actually coached the season in the SEC as a head coach, has SEC ties. Or Moorhead ran a fantastic offense at Penn State. Absolutely, and he coached Fordham. But, I just, but, I, I don't but, think that those are th- that puts him ahead. I disagree. He was an elite coordinator. When has Matt Luke ever been an elite coordinator? But since when is elite coordinator the necessary like only path to being a good head coach? I'm not saying that guarantees he's a head coach, but. Matt Luke coached one season. Quite frankly, they're both in the, they're both. Yes, I'm saying they're both, both basement. They're both the lower end of the SEC football. The, they're they're probably 13 and 14 for resumes in the SEC, right? Who, who am I forgetting? I mean, Chad Morris, uh, Ed Orgeron. That, that's that's pretty much my bottom four. How about Ed Orgeron coming in and getting two guys out of Mississippi to commit to him? Yeah, but one you talk. But is it isn't one of them handy or whatever? He already said he's not committed. Handy who, decommitted uh, today. Is that the guy from the New Panola Augusta? or whatever? Somewhere he didn't decommit. Uh, he's, he's still committed, but he tweeted, "My recruitment is open." With like a bunch of exclamation marks. The the guy from New Augusta. Yeah, that guy. That's the guy. That's the guy. Yeah, Jaron Handy uh-huh. tweeted that his recruitment is open today. So, so was it a fake commitment? I mean, I think go- it was a, I think it was a hot boxed, pressured commitment for sure. Was it like Rob Kimdichie committing to Clemson type it, commitment? It seemed like it. Yeah, something like that. that I mean, Rob was committed to Clemson. I yeah, when he was like a sophomore or some shit. Uh, I'm not gonna say those guys don't end up at LSU. I just think that you know, obviously, a lot of shenanigans are gonna go down between now and then. Um, that's not to say I'm confident in Luke's recruiting down the stretch at all. I don't. I'm not sure that he's going to finish well, but it's still a possibility at this point. Um, he's he's padding the class out with a lot of three stars so far. He picked up another one today, that Coast kid, going to play center or something, whatever. Um, Is he blue-collar? Oh, he's totally blue-collar, dude. Super blue-collar, probably. He's like six. He's like six one. You can't get more blue-collar on the OL than that. Hey, man. Um... Yeah, so meh. We we'll see after the hire is made. But like I said, I'm expecting Kermit Davis, and uh, I'm expecting Ole Miss to to claim its spot as last place in the SEC as far as coaching higher prestige goes. Um, exciting times, great stuff. Let's talk about a team that is actually okay for now. Only one lost season, like I said earlier. Baseball. I know John has vowed not to analyze the offense until what when is it Mar- or is it March 30th or something like After that? five SEC series so we're talking oh, like so pretty much the season's like on a tax day give or take season's finishing up at that point um yeah so but I will say the offense looking pretty decent I mean yes they are exploding against the worst pitching we're gonna face all year but my response to that would be well at least they're not getting shut down by it which we've seen in the past so it could definitely be worse. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta beat the bad teams to to get to play the good teams and not have a terrible record. So it's fine. Uh, they they did have a pretty close game last night going into the eighth. It was like five four with Austin P, but um, exploded in the eighth inning. Ended up like eleven four. 
Um, I talked a little bit about the Long Beach series. It was weird overall because the Friday night game got rained out, um, which you know was never supposed to happen out there. Um, played two on Saturday. They they were kind of playing their West Coast style. I think it definitely made Ole Miss uncomfortable. I didn't super understand why Bianco started Fortes at catcher in game one. He definitely had some trouble controlling the traffic on the base path. I mentioned some kind of fluky plays in the first inning. There was some really weird stuff going on. Uh, at one point, runners ended up going back. Like the runner almost at home went back to third. The runner at third went back to second, second back to first, which is like, fine, that happens. You know, it's a weird play. But then somehow they awarded the runner at third home plate. Not sure how any of that happened. If you understand what happened that play, tweet at us and explain to me again, some sort of interference or something. I don't know. And they got another one after that with like some double steal action and just making us uncomfortable. Ended up losing by one. So those those two runs in the first were definitely impactful. And this is against uh, um, Ole Miss's ace, uh, Ryan Rollison. So, you know, tough luck loss for him, but move move on from it. He still is, is throwing really good stuff. Oh, I will and, say that Brady Feigl going out there game two mm-hmm. and getting and putting up a solid start is key. I think three three I mean, series in, offense. Feigl looks much improved. The offense, I will reserve judgment until they prove they can do it consistently over SEC play. But the other big question to me on this team, mm-hmm. I think the bullpen's the strength. Although Will Stokes is, mm-hmm. I think I, at least based on yesterday, it seems like Bianco might want to move Stokes out of the end of game and more into a middle relief role, which would be good. I think Etheridge is maybe being set up to be the setup guy. Yeah, I do not trust Stokes in the eighth inning. I hate Stokes in the eighth inning. He's gotten worse every year. Wolfolk closing, he'll be fine. That's my take. Um, he struggled, but he still hasn't allowed a run. So I mean, he's getting it done. He'll, I think he'll be fine. Um, Feigl and MacArthur as starters, they need to solidify as solid above average SEC starters for this team to really yeah. have a good year. So far they've been good. Like I think the potential is definitely there. We'll see when it gets to that those good hitting teams, but MacArthur has an ERA under one. You talked about Figo's last two outings were both really good. Um I, I, I think that Ole Miss's pitching depth could really pay dividends this year. I mean we're seeing it tonight. Freshman Jordan Fowler gets the start. Um he's he's looked good. Uh sorry I've just kind of turned around look at the screen. See what's going on. Uh, Houston Roth started yesterday. Um, he he was a little shaky last midweek, but he still he still has a lot of good stuff. Uh, there's a ton there's a ton of depth throughout the bullpen. Um, I'm actually excited to see how how Bianco uses the the bullpen and the pitching staff into SEC play. Um, I should mention complete snooze fest of a series this weekend. I mean, we hope it should be an easy three zero Eastern Illinois. I don't know why exactly. <laughs> They're scheduled, um, kind of an RPI bomb, but we'll see. Um, it's depressing, honestly. I want to play good out of conference every week. Come on. Going and playing at Long Beach, that's cool. I respect that. We should have had like a Louisville or somebody coming in this weekend. Come on. Don't be scared, Mike. You need you need games to figure out your stuff, though. I know that. Um, there's a There's kind of a... I know you're not talking about offense, John, so you can just listen, but there's kind of a log jam, uh, <laughs> a very a very multifaceted log jam going on, basically trying to figure out how you can get Cooper Johnson, who already has a couple home runs after not hitting well at all last year, uh, in the lineup at catcher when you also have Nick Fortes, who plays catcher but can also play first base, but then you want Cole Zabowski in the lineup because he's hitting well and he's a really good defensive first baseman. You know, big, tall, uh, right-handed kid. That's what, yeah, you want to – wait, no, he's a lefty. What, to, what does Tim Rowe play? So Tim Rowe is your right fielder or DH, but he's hurt with the hamstring right now. So when he comes back, the long jam gets worse because you're also trying to get Chase Cockrell in the game at DH. So basically, I, I think a, a possibility that could work is you put Cooper Johnson at catcher, Zabowski at first, Chase Cockrell at third. That's your problem, though. Him at third defensively, and, and I really have liked Tyler Keenan, the freshman, both defensively and at the plate, so that's iffy. But then you DH Fortes. I just don't know. Like, Fortes is a good first baseman, a good catcher. 
Johnson's a better catcher. Zabowski's a better first baseman. But Fortes is more consistent offensively than both of them. It's a it's a log jam for sure. Um, you know, you could also move Olenek into second base, uh, where the freshmen Servideo and Adams have been fine, but not necessarily producing a ton at the plate. Um, I think the freshman I like the most is probably definitely Keenan. He had a big night last night, hit like a long double, uh, and then a home run later in the game. Um, I think Tim Elko, the other freshman third baseman, could be really good as well. Uh, Cockrell right now. Cockrell and Kessinger are, are both very hot right now. Um, Kessinger is apparently going to stay in that leadoff spot, although if you could get someone else leading off, I would be very happy with his current state with uh, Kessinger batting second. But even though I, I hate on Olenek all the time, his average is over 300. He's he's doing the job in the, in the two-hole for now, but he just always looks so out of control when he goes up there. It seems like every time I watch an Olenek at-bat, it's just ugly as sin, but I don't know. Uh, the numbers are there, so it's fine. So basically all that to say, there are questions to figure out offensively, but they're, they're good problems to have for the most part. You know, you have multiple guys that you think can – can have a big day at the at the plate that you're trying to figure out where they fit in the lineup. Honestly, the biggest one of the biggest problem is that I don't, I don't think Golson's a very good defensive center fielder. Uh, and you couple that with the fact that he's not really hitting, seems like he would be ripe ripe uh, you know to bench. But the Ole Miss does not have very many outfielders right now. Almost everybody is an infielder. You got converted catcher Dillard playing left. We talked about Rowe playing right. I think he's like a first baseman by trade, something like that. So. And the the problem with taking Golson out is I don't know if you have a better center fielder. Olenek played center field last year and was like pretty mediocre at it. Where's Olenek playing right now? Uh, in in right or a lot while Rose hurt. Um, and what the so what they were doing before was DHing Rowe and leaving Olenek in right, or or you could put Rowe in right. Olenek can play second. Um, I think there might have been a game or two Olenek didn't start in as well. Um. So that I think that that makes sense, you know, to put Olenek at second instead of uh, Servideo or Adams. But at the same time, I don't know. I just for whatever reason, Olenek seems like a liability. I don't know. It kind of sounds like and I'm not going to go very far with this because I'm going to hold my pledge on waiting with this offense. But it sounds like they've got some depth and some pieces. They got they got to sort out in a good way. They're not necessarily throwing guys in there hoping somebody gets hot it's okay you know how do you make how do you get it all to fit right and then as i look here this the the ops looks promising early there are some very solid is zabowski has the best right he's like 1200 or something it's insane will, will golson certainly looks like a seven hole hitter based on his yep. yeah, hey you spoke it into existence sean congratulations hit me hit me with that <laughs> zabowski ops he's not an elite player golson no he's not this is Zabowski OPS. Uh, oh shit, it's pretty damn good. Yeah, ten twenty, not yeah. Cockrell. It was higher. No, Cockrell is even higher than that. Yeah, I think Zabowski was, was higher. Thirteen hundred OPS. I mean, yeah, that's Cockrell, how you know it's Cockrell in Fuego. He hit a he hit a homer over everything at Long Beach, dude. Last night, Dillard had two homers from the left side. The second one, the second one landed legit back row of the student section. That's Are a bomb. Me? That's a bomb. That's a bomb. I watched it land. It, it was a bomb. The right fielder never moved. Like he jacked it. And so the complaint against Dillard is that he can't do that against good pitching. We'll see. I mean, I I like him. I, I like his power. He's definitely better from the left hand side, um, which I think is good, right? Because you're gonna see more righties in college generally than lefties. I would think. Yep, I would agree. So I think it's okay to be to be a switch hitter that's better from the left hand side, um, and, and his his defense in left is actually serviceable. I, I think the biggest the biggest knock on Dillard is that he makes what I think would be fairly simple plays for an actual outfielder look like really dazzling because he's he's he doesn't take the best lines on balls. He's actually big... kind of fast though. Is the biggest problem with this team their lack of a true defensive center fielder? I, that's what I'm saying. Like, it seems weird to How say. How good is their infield? I haven't watched They're that. good. They're, They're good. good. I mean, Kessinger is extremely solid at shortstop, and I haven't seen any problems out of Adams and her video defensively. Um, and like I already said, Keenan at third is really, really good. I I, I think that you can't put Cockle at third because I think you want Keenan there for the rest of his career, ideally, because I, I he's really good. Um, and then, like I said, Zabowski is a great target at first base. I think the infield is solid. Pitching is solid. 
Cooper Johnson's a great defensive catcher, and Fortes is a is a average to above average to good defensive catcher. Um, I think the outfield defensively is definitely the problem, especially a center field. Do they um, have anybody that could go be a defensive substitution late in games in the outfield? No, the there's no there's no Kyle Watson. Maybe they have someone. I mean, they they say that Grendel guy is really fast, but I have no idea how good his defensive skills are. You know, are. you know, Grendel went to the same high school I did. Really? You know, All right, we need to get some. You need to get some uh, some intel on what he what position he played in the field and if he could play outfield. He's an outfielder. Okay, I like that. I was told from the he- baseball our. Uh, Varsity head coach, uh-huh. the golf coach, when I was there at the same time. So know him well. This is, this is the best player he's ever coached. Wow. Okay. Great. Well, I'm excited that he came to Ole Miss. Cat, Cat, Cat High has won two state titles. Here's the, here's the question, John. With this team, and assuming the bats are there, if Kyle Watson was still on the team, is he maybe a nine hole hitting starting center fielder? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that would make a lot of sense. You'd bench Golson for Kyle Watson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the Kyle Watson was amazing in the field. Golson's nowhere near a seven hole hitter on this team right now. Yep. Yep. This team's got him fired gonna get him fired from the lineup. Yeah, we just gotta figure out who else can play <laughs> outfield. Yeah. This pod is gonna get him fired from the outfield. Mike's gonna listen. We know Mike's a listener. Of course. That is that is the the flyer with this team. Does Gindel become like the uh late inning defensive sub in the outfield? He's also a pit, he's also yes fast. He's great pinch he's runner, yeah, yeah. I don't so maybe that's the problem. You don't want to necessarily put him in the lineup he's the when you secret weapon. Right, you cat. could need him in a high leverage ninth inning or something to go out there on the bases because there are a lot of big guys on this team that maybe aren't the, the best runners that can get on. Yeah, I, I'm definitely worried about Golson in the outfield. That's the number one concern right now. Followed by Wolfwick Stokes. He is the uh, the 14 team. I remember getting in the middle of that season going, okay, if they're going to get there, Preston Overby needs to get needs to out, figure out, out how to play solid defense and give him enough right, give him some right hand thump. Yeah, I think Golson, you know, kind of the experienced guy that needs to step up and and play pretty well. Golson is the Overby yeah, of this team. If Golson can get his average up to like 270 and and play well on the field, the team should be good. Honest to god, I'm more I I'm more concerned about his defense. Yeah. No, me too. I mean, he's already straight dropped a ball. Like it's not good. It's not good. Um and then I think he's also making the other outfielders worse cuz they're kind of playing pulled middle to help him. It's, yep, Dillard is not a. I mean, he's an okay. I mean, they 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 do not have. You know, hey, you have the stats up still, right? How many stolen bases for Dillard? He definitely leads the team. Uh, where the shit is that? He swipes here? a bunch. It's weird. He's, he's four out of five. That's pretty good. Is that that leads the team, right? Yep, most attempts, most steals. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's. I mean, he's a converted catcher. That's all you gotta say. Opponents are seven for eleven. Yep, that's well. A bunch of those came in that first game against Long Beach when Fortes came through. I think they had like four stolen bases in uh, that first the, what's inning. What's the uh, how many steals against Cooper Johnson? That's that's a good question. We need to figure that out. I bet of the four that have been picked off, he's at least two or three of them. He's got a Let's, cannon. Do oh, we have? I saw earlier in this game, we'll miss pick somebody off. I think I'm not sure he's back there. I think Fortes. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if they stolen have base attempts, caught stolen base. So, how many? Stolen. Looks like it's one and one with uh, Johnson. They're they're one. Opponents are one for two, and then they are six of nine against Fortes. Okay. See, so I just I. Yeah, and see, I think that really speaks to how well Zabowski is playing. Because I think the plan coming in was for Fortes to play first the vast majority of the time, Cooper Johnson to, to be your, your catcher because he's so good defensively. But then, I mean, Cooper Johnson's doing well offensively. This is this is my problem is, like, how do you work out those three guys, Cooper Johnson, Zabowski, Fortes? How do you get them all in the lineup? And I think I think sometimes they're gonna DH Zabowski, uh, but then Cockrell's out of the lineup and he's on fire right now. So there's, there's definitely a log jam you got to figure out right there. 
Agree. I'm looking at pitching stats here. Feigl has the best whip by far. Mm-hmm. But compare compare uh, MacArthur's whip to his ERA, and it's like, damn, this guy can really work with runners on base. Yep. It's crazy. But that's, I mean, that's also flukiness from early season stats. You know, his ERA is not going to stay sub point five. No, it's not. Yeah, but you know, still, I, I think it's, I think it's encouraging returns early on from uh, the, the pitching. Feigl getting off to a good start is key. Because mm-hmm. he, because so people was, say he has the the best pure stuff on the team. So is MacArthur. I mean, that's that's key. That's key. I have to say, from a statistical standpoint, opening this up, I'm up. Uh, this is. More encouraging than I thought it would be. It's the guy struggling the most is Will Golson, which makes me happy. Yep. Yeah, you did. You did correctly correctly predict that before the season started. He's the overbee of this team. And at the, and the weakness Okay, so wait, John, have you heard about have you heard about the Overton window? You know what that is? Like it's like the Overton window is a way to describe what's acceptable in society. And so the Irvington window shifts with time. It's not. It's kind of. It's, it's not a super complicated concept, but you should just look it up on Wikipedia. They could probably explain it better than me. I'm simply proposing we have the overbee window. Uh, which player has to get better in the season for us not to suck? And I think that's what you've just invented here. And and I think, I think this, the over the overbee window this year is is Golson. He's in there. Yes, this yeah. is fantastic. Exactly. I, I tell you, the one thing I just don't well, I guess the 14 team defensively up the middles where they were shaky because you had uh, Arrow as a freshman and Overby was – Your second baseman, yeah. yeah. Was, but then, but then you, have, you have Bowsfield back there and you had it's Will Allen on the plate. I mean, you, had, you had a hell of a defensive outfield that year. It almost sounds like it's flipped this year. Yeah, pretty much. I, I think the infield is very solid and the outfield is rather shaky, so we'll see. I mean, I guess the good news is – Rollison maybe is going to get fly balls, right, with the with the fastball. But uh, Feigl is going to get grounders with his stuff, so that's a positive. Yep. I I just hope that we can we can work a lot more grounders than fly balls with the with the defensive setup we have. Um. All right, John, you got anything else you want to talk about this week? No, that's about it. Um, football spring practice has started. Yeah, it's it's very low key. Mm-hmm. It should stay that way. As it should be, yeah. The Grove Bowl's like April sometime. Uh, Matty Corral's doing his thing out there. Tom, you looks good. Uh, let's see. A.J. Brown and Greg Little went to like a fake first-round draft symposium thing because they're that good. I wonder uh, I wonder if like that how, how that made DK feel. I just wonder. I wonder if, the, if, he, if they're all going to go next year or what. It's, I think it's still a question. We shall see. DK uh, may be in a spot where if he comes back, he's he is clearly the primary target. Yeah, it's like really. the string fellow, the string fellow thing, right? DK was, I mean, AJ is clearly AJ Brown's the primary target, and but it DK, was kind of DK it was is an NFL DK. prospect for sure. I mean, he's got those he's hands, he's got the length. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, and also coming from the oldest family like he does, being from Oxford. If anybody is going to stay a year to part partially be a good rebel, partially you know have their number called a lot more and get more playing time, I could see him doing it. Yeah. So we'll see, and I, I mean he'll know that he's going to have a, we think a good quarterback in Matt Corral. Um. So we'll see. Oh, well, well, Tayamu might get another year of eligibility. Yeah, you know, just like uh, Ole Miss was going to get that grad transfer offensive lineman from Cal. And then uh, the SEC said no. I can't imagine something like that happening with Tom Hughes last year of eligibility. I would be shocked, shocked if Ole Miss got turned down for that. Who is going to have a great snafu and just miss a year? Who Who's going to get well? <laughs> Greg Little, <laughs> AJ Brown, <laughs> some some nightmare no, scenario. Too good. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I, know, oh. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Miles Hartfield. No, I, I got a better one. Okay. Dawson Knox. <laughs> that would be funny. No, that would be that can't happen because you all would be too happy. All you people would be too happy about that. <laughs> you got taken off the field. No, I think it's Jalen I think it's like Miles Hartsfield because we really need him and he's not like super heralded or something well, like that. We really need Miles is that what we're at? We really yeah, dude, Miles. yeah. Miles Hartsfield is like one of the few defensive starters that isn't a lineman that's like serviceable. 
from last year. God bless America. He is. He's a decent safety. Oh, boy. Woo! I mean, our starting linebackers are uh, my, uh, Bing's Duke, and um, I think the converted uh, – who is it? Who is the other – who's the converted tight end that plays linebacker now? Willie Hibbler. Yeah, those are the starting linebackers, I think. Willie Hibbler and freaking Bing Duke. So, yeah, I'd say yeah. Miles Hartsfield is better than that, yeah. Man, this defense is bad. Holy shit. It is bad. It's 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 not good. Wesley McGriff, figure that out. Figure it out, man. Um, all right, well, we'll uh, we'll pause there for now. Um, like I said, boring baseball series this weekend. You know, SAA, SEC basketball tournament. Ole Miss will probably have won by the time we talk to you next time. Be headed to the big dance with uh, Tony Madlock. So excited about that for sure. But if that somehow doesn't happen, we'll be talking about the coaching search next week. Um, and I think we're going to be getting ready for SEC baseball here pretty soon, John. It's not not too many non-conference series left. Next um, weekend, isn't it? Yeah, because this is – is it – how many do – you, do you get five or four non-conference? I can play the schedule. Four. Okay, if it's four, then, yeah, it'll be it'll be after this Eastern Illinois series. So that's yeah. exciting. Um, I want to say we open with, like, Tennessee or something. Yeah, yeah I, think we, I think we – I believe yeah. we – Tennessee. Yeah, we host Tennessee on the the sixteenth of March. Um, so just a little bit. Let's see, uh, nine days away. So yeah, very exciting. We'll we talk about that next week. We'll get into the SEC schedule a little more uh, and look around the league and see how everybody else did in the non conference, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, so th- thanks for listening, guys. Sorry for no show last week, but we really didn't have a ton to talk about. I promise you didn't miss too much. Um, quite, we're ha- quite honestly, Go. I mean, it feels like from a fan interest standpoint this is this is as apathetic as i can remember Ole Miss being yeah me personally i feel rather apathetic i mean i'm excited about the baseball games and i, I love watching baseball but... of uh of 2011 yeah yeah that's where we are and that's why uh matt luke is going to be the new hugh freeze get everybody super excited with um a uh what it, what was the bowl that freeze won his first year Compass the Bowl. BBVA Compass Bowl. Right? Here's the thing, though, is that uh, Freeze really – Freeze is like – like he's kind of pastor ego, and it was a little more subtle when he first started. Mm-hmm. But it was really actually helpful to get fan engagement here, right? Fans engaged mm-hmm. just because of how apathetic the everybody, – everybody needed some Kool-Aid at that point. True. Whereas now everybody's just kind of tired of – they the drank too much. We, everybody drank way too much Kool Aid. We had a sugar crash. Now we're just kind of trying to take a nap and just chill for here, a while. Here, now here's what happened. Now 2011 was apathetic, but uh, Boone was out, and that was what really seemed to you know people said, okay, we got there's a change at the top. At least we're making some progress there. I feel. I could really. I'm going to argue that right now is worse from the standpoint of Bjork's entrenched. Mm-hmm. That's a real problem. I mean, the guy is no better than Pete Boone. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right. Things are getting dire, and I mean, maybe, maybe if Chancellor Vitter is replaced, his replacement can can. <laughs> Get rid of Bjork. I don't know. I mean, I do. I do think that Old Miss fans are starting to kind of sour on Bjork. I talked in the past on the show about how, despite everything going on, I still think he's fairly popular. Um, and I think that's just slowly eroding. The uh, the Matt Luke hire, I think, was part of that. Um, sort of part of eroding the the fan support. Yep, I would agree. I think um, it's going to be interesting to see where this all goes. But then again, we're talking about a state where. Phil Bryant's probably going to be a senator, which is what I'm hearing. So maybe, maybe I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It's hard to know. Um, all right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We definitely appreciate that. Uh, thanks for supporting the show. Um, hopefully, we'll have some more upbeat and positive things to talk about in the future. At least, you know, more funny stuff to, to bring you more jokes and all that stuff. Um, Let's see, uh, we, we have a website, not updated at the moment, but uh, check out the show on SoundCloud, especially if you're not an iTunes user, you can't get us on the podcast app, you can listen on SoundCloud. 
Um, follow us on Twitter at Sharks AFTR Dark, all of that stuff. Uh, but for now, we'll stop there. Um, thanks so much for listening. Like I said, guys, um, for John, I'm Justin. We'll talk to you again next week.